This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Graham Williams. Thanks for coming in. Always glad to be here. We've got a really cool show. Uh, we'll be uh, talking later on in the program about cables. I know, sounds exciting, uh, but I really encourage you to listen to this. There's so many different types out for our different devices now, like laptops and smartphones and tablets, and there's so much crap out there as well. Well, we're going to give you the lowdown on what to look for and the different types for the different devices, so stay tuned for that. And uh, we'll be chatting uh, to our friend Megan Simpson over at IT World Canada about a new robot in town. Should you get one? Well, we've uh, got the lowdown on that uh, as well. Plus, uh, we'll be talking about InfoWars and Alex Jones. The tech companies are cracking down on crap. That's what I call it anyway. You know what? I'm, I'm going to back you up on that. Cutting down on crap. Cutting down crap. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the tech news uh, this week, uh, Graham. Uh, an interesting story here. Uh, there's a subpoena for an app called Discord, which could unmask the identities of the Charlottesville white supremacists. Yeah. So Discord's actually a really cool little app. Uh, I use it personally to communicate with friends. It's sort of a, a combination of text chat. You can do video chat in it. Uh, but there's also a, a voice over IP component. So basically, you can jump into an audio channel and immediately be chatting with with, you know, dozens of your friends. Uh, I use this for playing Fortnite, for playing Destiny 2. Um, it's, it's a really cool app to kind of keep up with different communities. I actually, um, there's a community that does wargaming with Warhammer, you know, paint these tiny little figures, very expensive hobby. And those guys use it as well. Unfortunately, it seems like, um, you know, we have actually seen the radicalization of a lot of young men out there. Um, you know, for example, Steve Bannon uh, was very much involved in the World of Warcraft currency farming community. So he basically ran a gold farm and was selling in-game currency to people for what real money. What hasn't that man done? Well, and this was it. He, re- he realized that there was this marginalized sector of, you know, young men who were feeling disempowered, who were stuck playing video games all day, and found that it was relatively easy to radicalize them. And these are the same guys that we're now starting to see show up at some of these white supremacist rallies. They've been convinced that their lot in life is somebody else's fault. So, you know, they're going to go up and raise a tiki torch and do something about it. And of course, um, using the technology that they use to play video games, uh, they are now using that to communicate uh, with each other for coordinating things like, you know, attacks on Facebook pages and these these rallies. So, uh, you know, interestingly enough, Discord actually has access to people's account information, IP information. Uh, so by subpoenaing this, they can actually get access to that information and then hopefully go after and find the people that were responsible for that deadly rally down in Charlottesville. Because they use this app called Discord to actually plan yes. that rally. Yeah. And so, I mean, one of the things I want to get across to people out there is that Discord is a good app. It is not a white supremacist app. It is an app that is used for a lot of things, um, you know, again, predominantly video games. There are a lot of communities out there that are using it. But this particular bunch, they do say it's sort of, you know, one bad seed, is trying to spoil uh, the bunch. But I think we'll be able to sort of isolate them, identify them, and hopefully bring them uh, to justice. Another uh, news story we're following here, and this is a super important one for summertime, Graham. Mm -hmm. Kickstarter, our favorite uh, website for funding all sorts of crazy tech items, uh, they have a new super soaker, a high-tech version of that that uh, puts all other water guns to shame. Yeah, so I was looking at this earlier, and this is kind of cool. Uh, the, the The whole point here is that with a lot of water guns, you lose pressure uh, as the amount of water goes down. Well, they basically built a pressure chamber into this thing, and it fires what they're calling water bullets. So... <laughs> 
What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> it's here? called the Spira One. Uh, they're funding it right now on Kickstarter. You got to go to the website, uh, Kickstarter website, and uh, check that out. So this can shoot uh, opponents up to thirty feet away. Yeah. With precision water bullets. Yes, and it doesn't lose pressure from the beginning right until the very end. And essentially to refill it, you just stick the nozzle into water, hit a button, and it will automatically pull the water back in, repressurize, and you are ready to go. Uh, so essentially, if you want to be sort of the John Wick of the uh, of the water gun fight, just make sure there are buckets placed around strategically, and you're good to go. Uh, the price on this thing, have you seen this? $135 US. What, what a reasonable thing to be uh, just the absolute Rambo of a water gun fight. They've already raised over a quarter of a million dollars so far towards got, getting this thing produced. They got 135 bucks from me. <laughs> you better believe I did. <laughs> so much more to talk about here on Get Connected today. When we come back from the break, we're going to be talking about uh, Infowars and Alex Jones and how the tech giants have basically really taken a bite out of his, uh, his fake news empire. Sorry, Alex. Sorry, Alex. Not sorry. And we'll, we'll talk about why it took so long. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network, brought to you by Lennon Drugs. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Eggerbo here with Graham Williams today. Still got lots to talk about in the program later on. Robots are coming. There's a new robot in town. We'll get the lowdown on that. And uh, we'll also be talking cables. So many different types of cables out there, from iPhones to USB to USB-C what to look for, and uh, what's the right one for your smartphone and tablet. You'll want to stay tuned for it because there's a lot of information there. I want to talk now about uh, an interesting uh, thing that happened this week. Uh, there's a, a gentleman out there named Alex Jones. He's got the Alex Jones Show, uh, another podcast, uh, Infowars. Well, it was just uh, banned by a number of tech companies. Uh, here is uh, Jack Nikus from the New York Times. Alex Jones is the Internet's most notorious conspiracy theorist, and with his site InfoWars, he's peddled a number of dark and bizarre conspiracy theories. Sandy Hook, it's got inside job written all over it. We want us to cover Pizzagate? We have covered it. We are covering it. And all I know is, God help us, we're in the hands of pure evil. So this guy, uh, I never listened to any of his stuff. I only saw saw it on late night TV shows <laughs> you know when people were making fun of it uh, but he spouted all sorts of crazy things uh, very uh, uh, anti-immigrant anti-Muslim but also a lot of conspiracy theories as well like Sandy Hook uh, the massacre there uh, saying that uh, you know it didn't happen uh, you know Pizzagate uh, which you know happened during the election uh, as well uh, I mean those are just two of like hundreds of conspiracy theories this guy spouts out every day well Finally, after a lot of uh, pressure, I guess, from uh, users and shareholders, a number of tech companies have uh, taken his content off their sites. This is everyone from Apple and the iTunes podcast, uh, Google, Facebook, and Spotify. Yeah. Notably, he's still on Twitter. Go Twitter. <laughs> it, it seems like Twitter is kind of the place where if you have a fringe opinion that uh, maybe even violates their own terms and conditions, as long as you are getting uh, retweets and follows and generating traffic for Twitter, they don't seem to care. That's uh, that's an interesting one. Alex is, a, is he's an interesting figure. Um, you know, we've we've seen a lot of stuff out of him over the course of the last decade or so. Um, like you said, conspiracy theories. Sandy Hook's probably the, one of the most uh, visible, where he would declare uh, the children uh, who had been killed and, and children who survived as crisis actors. That's actually one of the places where we... Child do. actors. Yeah. Well, they, they call them crisis actors, uh, basically saying that this whole thing had been faked. Um, and so currently he's being sued by the families um, who uh, had lost children at Sandy Hook. Um, 
Um, interestingly enough, in his divorce with his wife, he came forward and said that none of what he's doing on his show is actually accurate. He is an entertainer. And so that uh, you shouldn't be looking to his show for it to be factual. Um, he's actually playing a part. This is not actually what he believes. He's not actually this red-faced and crazy. Uh, he really is just playing a part for an audience who he believes understands that it is fiction. Um, but that, that, isn't, that is wrong because a lot of people take what he's saying as fact. Absolutely There's, there's like millions of people in the U.S. and around the world for that matter that buy into the the craziness that he's he's spouting and and basically his shtick today is that you know these companies are going to be on the wrong side of history for censoring him and i think that's a that's a very interesting term because censorship typically typically happens when the government prevents you from saying something the first amendment in the united states means that the government can't tell you what you can and can't say we have things we have some slightly different laws here in canada where we do have laws against hate speech uh but down in the states they've uh, they've let that hate speech uh you know marker be set by companies uh, as to whether or not you can say that on their platform. And finally, uh, after a number of strikes on YouTube and uh, being warned on a number of other platforms, uh, Alex finally hit the uh, the mark this week uh, where, you know, what he was saying was deemed as hate, as hate speech. He was using slurs against certain minority groups. Because um, he was getting away with it. And he was getting away with it until, t- until this week where uh, Spotify actually began removing select episodes and then they removed his podcast completely. Then Apple removed his podcast completely and then it just snowballed. And I think a lot of these tech companies looked at it and went... Well, if one of us is going to take a bullet, we can all kind of take this and we'll all we'll all stand together. And uh, they took all of this content down. Uh, YouTube was the last to do it, um, but his content is off of YouTube now, which after having seen a number of his videos on YouTube, I've got to say, I think YouTube might be a better place without this kind of content. 2.4 million subscribers on YouTube, billions of views, billions of mm-hmm. views on his video. People are eating this stuff up. They are, yeah. And I mean, there's a certain group out there who they feel like perhaps they're not being heard, uh, they're not being listened to, they believe certain things that are demonstrably untrue. So there can be a bit of a challenge here, right? Like if you're looking at Alex Jones and you're seeing some of the crazy things, and I will say, well, I'll say these are crazy things. You know, at one point he was saying that chemtrails were turning the frogs gay. This is nuts. Apparently there was a child (laughs) slavering on Mars at one point. You've got to have a gut check here, right? Like, if none of the stuff can be proven to be true, then maybe you might have an issue. The but biggest you, problem... Where do you draw the line, though, Graham? So I can I can see them drawing the line on hate speech. I get it. You know, that... Totally. Uh, but this other stuff he's saying that, you know, the chemtrails make frogs gay. Do you draw a line there? Or can he just keep saying... There's gay frogs out there because of these. Well, and this is the this is the challenge that these tech companies faced, right? It is, just because someone is lying doesn't mean that you stop them from lying. But the moment that they start advocating violence towards other people, uh, Alex Jones famously uh, threatened Robert Mueller last week, uh, saying that he was going to go after him with a gun, and then added the word politically. You're going to go and shoot someone politically, quote unquote. You know, well, he's, incite, he's inciting his listeners and following. Yeah, and, and so I think this is kind of where we get to. You incite people to violence, you incite hatred, that's where we're going to draw the line. Unfortunately, you know, when people do make up stories, um, you, you can't necessarily prevent them from doing that. And maybe that's something that we need to look at is, uh, you know, how do we actually do that? 
How do we actually go through it and, and make sure that stories that are being uh, produced are, are true? You know, famously, his audience will look at the mainstream media and say, all of that is, what's the word that we all come to use? Fake news. Fake news. And, you know, when you have multiple sources and you have photographs and you have videos. I call his stupid news. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not only fake, yeah. it's stupid. There's like... It's like crazy and, and no facts. Well, and here's the thing. There are probably people out there listening to this right now who are so angry that you just said that because why don't you see the conspiracy that is the mainstream media? But the chemtrails aren't making the frogs gay. They're not. No, there's no <laughs> there's no scientific proof for that. And this is the challenge right now is, you know, when you go back to this group and say there is no scientific proof and, you know, we do have sources for these mainstream media stories, you know, basically they've stuck their fingers in their ears. They've closed their eyes. They don't want to hear it because it doesn't agree with the narrative that they've believed in. So if you have a viewpoint out there that you believe and there's evidence produced to the contrary to that and your immediate reaction is not to evaluate the evidence but instead to say that that evidence is wrong you might have a problem so why does it take the tech companies so long and it, it did take it took a long time like this guy's been spouting hate for like years Donald Trump even supports this guy. Well, and this is the problem is this is the kind of the first time that we've we've dealt with this. You know, in the past, there was a barrier to crazy people getting access to the media. I mean, William Randolph Hearst had his newspaper. Great. Fantastic. But you weren't able to address a global audience with nothing more than a microphone and an Internet connection. Yes, you can now. And so for a lot of these companies, they're looking at it and they don't want to be the first one to make the wrong move. And so they, they looked at it and went, we're going to take some time. We're going to evaluate this. They took, it, too, they took too long. It's a slippery slope, though, Graham. It is. It is because, sure, start with the hate speech, but then, you know, the fake news. Facebook has been nailed by everyone for that. Uh, you know, many say that uh, the Russians really influenced the last U.S. election, and that was through uh, social media sites yeah. like Facebook. So at what point, uh, you know, do they become kind of the police of of speech and, you know, what's newsworthy and what's not, what's fake, what's not. And we've actually run into that problem here in Canada is looking at different media outlets and saying, are you even responsible for the comments that are posted on your on your site? CBC, for example, at one point was suggesting that they were going to have a mandatory real name policy because they were starting to see an influx of foreign actors and foreign agents and people using uh, multiple accounts. We call that sock puppeting when you have sock puppets who basically you log in from account to account to repeat the same viewpoint to look like you actually have a point. Yeah. You know, I ran into an argument on Facebook this weekend about a political issue. Uh, there is uh, the SOGI123 program here in BC about sexual orientation and gender identity. And there's a group out of Abbotsford right now that is adamantly spreading mistruths about this. Lies. Fake information. And a lot of those people are repeating the same viewpoints over and over again. And I actually caught one user who accidentally forgot to log out of one account and into another. And I went, ah, so we do have a problem here. The question is, how do you monitor that stuff? Well, I mean, I reported okay, that so back t- to Facebook. Yeah, so that's that's one incident. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not going to say it's small because it's a big issue. Yeah. But it's small in the global sense. Like it's a local thing. Like can you imagine how many millions of instances there are of that? Yes. Like how does a Facebook deal with that or a YouTube Right now, so basically it's through user reporting because there isn't anything smart enough to I know, to but they don't even have enough it. humans to answer all those. And so this is where we get to a, a point where they started to automate these systems with, with, with algorithms, and we actually see this when these algorithms fail because these algorithms make, make mistakes all the time. So we're at a point now where we're producing more content than we can monitor. The AI that we have isn't good enough to actually identify stuff that is either fake or hateful. We're, we're, we're at a bit of crossroads. 
right? Where it's just as end users, we need to be smart enough to identify when something isn't accurate and to actually do the research and look into it and make sure that we're, you know, going through and vetting stuff. Some people are very happy to just look at something and say, that confirms my opinion, therefore it must be true. So I'd say, I'd say to people out there, don't be like Alex Jones, right? Actually take the time to do your research. Well, I know a lot of people are happy about the news that, uh, you know, his InfoWars, Infowars uh, content and, and craziness is being taken down by a lot of these sites. But at the same time, like I said, it's a slippery slope. Uh, now we're entrusting these tech companies to be the vanguards of truth. Well, I mean, in this case, it was hate speech. So, yes. you know, we're not quite at that precipice yet. But I mean, at some point, we're going to have to look at it and say, when people are actively spreading things that aren't factual, something's got to be done. Mike Agarbo here with Graham Williams. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. When we come back, we still have a lot more tech to talk. There's a new robot in town. We'll be telling you all about that. And cables. I know, sounds exciting, but you should listen to this segment. There's so many different types out there right now, especially when it comes to the new USB-C cables that uh, a lot of these smartphones and tablets and even laptops are using. Which ones are the right ones? If you get the wrong one, it could damage your device, and you don't want that. You listen to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here in the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. How would you like to have your own personal robot? Well, we've seen uh, lots over the years, different types of toy robots. Well, there's a, a new one that's uh, trying to break out of the toy category. On the line, we've got Megan Simpson from IT World Canada to tell us all about it. Thanks for joining us, Megan. Thanks for having me. So uh, you've had a chance to uh, check out a new robot. Uh, what's it called? Well, uh, its name is Vector. Uh, and it comes from Anki Robotics, and it's a tiny robot that can almost fit in the palm of your, your hand. Okay, that's pretty small. <laughs> I'm, I'm expecting <laughs> yeah. this giant uh, butler-sized robot. But okay, so it fits in the palm of your hand. What does it do? Yeah, so it can do a few things. Um, it can tell you the weather. You can ask it questions. It'll take pictures of you. It has some character, too, so it'll give you a fist bump if you ask for it. Um, and you can even, if you touch the back of it, um, it has a touch sensor, and it'll like kind of purr uh, if you do that. <laughs> so what's, what's the purpose of it? It sounds like a, almost like a, a, an Amazon Echo with wheels. Yeah, that's kind of what it is. So um, Enki is looking to get into home robotics, um, but essentially they said they can't do it, you know, all at once. You can't just have these uh, Rosie the Robots, um, you know, in your house. But So they're trying to go with tiny robots. Just This one's a little bit more about entertainment, um, but less about being a toy and a little bit more uh, utility is how, they're, is how they're talking about it um, as a little robot in your home, essentially. Uh how much does this particular robot go for? So it's going to go for about uh, $330 uh, Canadian. That's a lot of money for a, a small robot <laughs> that tells the weather. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's what I thought too. Um, I really like the idea of this little robot. Um, I got to meet him and uh, he was very cute and I would love to have something like that in my home, but I don't think I can uh, splurge uh, the 330 on that one. Well, you know, you're in the tech industry. Uh, are we going to get to a point in the next 10 years where we're going to actually have some meaningful, useful robots that can actually do uh, chores around the house for us? I know we have robot vacuums, but, you know, maybe a step beyond that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think this is what Anki's trying to do uh, with this product, is they're trying to step into that and make it a first step. Um, so, yeah, potentially within the next 10 years, um, it's hard to say. I think the technology is definitely moving um, in that direction, though, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Well, thanks for joining us, Megan. Yeah, thank you for having me. That was Megan Simpson talking about the new Vector robot from Anki. When we come back from the break, we're talking cables. It's getting a little confusing out there with uh, the different types of uh, lightning cables, USB-C. We'll give you the rundown on what to look for and uh, how to pick the right one. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Graham Williams. Don't forget to visit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got all sorts of... uh, Clips of uh, videos we do, how-to segments, gadget reviews, and, uh, of course, our radio shows, and most importantly, contests. We've always got some great contests going through there, so uh, I would uh, encourage you to check it out, enter, and potentially win. I want to talk cables now. I know sounds super exciting, but uh, we all use them on a daily basis. We've got all sorts of devices, whether it's our laptops, smartphones, tablets, but there are a lot of uh, different types and qualities out there. Uh, and interesting, uh, obviously, we've got uh, the Apple side uh, with the iPhones and iPads. They've got uh, what are called lightning cables. They've got a special uh, little proprietary end on there that only works on iPhones and iPads. So you have to buy uh, Apple ones or Apple certified ones. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, we've uh, got a whole mishmash of uh, stuff. Uh, right now, uh, there's a lot of micro USB out there, but uh, the new standard is USB-C. Mm-hmm. So explain to our listeners the difference between the two. Okay. So, well, let's let's actually start with Apple. Okay. Right? So the, the lightning cable, which everyone loves to rib on Apple about the lightning cable, but they actually were the first in the market with a uh, high-speed cable that you could plug in uh, up or down. It would actually go into the connector either way. Reversible. It, it's reversible, and it's usable um, on a variety of different devices, right? It's on their Apple TV remotes. It's on... Uh, the AirPods uh, connector for the the charging uh, case. It's on the iPhones. It's on iPods. It's on iPads. Uh, it's on their keyboards. It's on their mice for charging those. So essentially, the idea that you need to buy a bunch of different cables to make all of this work is kind of not true. You buy one lightning cable, and that will work. And they've actually got two different ends on the other end. So on one end, it's lightning. On the other end, you get USB-A, which is the one that we're used to. Right, And that's the one that uh, basically every time you try to plug it into a computer or a charger, you're going to get it wrong twice before you get it right the third time. Yeah. <laughs> right? it's, it's wrong 150% of the time. Uh, and they also actually now have a USB-C end on there as well. So it's a USB-C connector on one end, lightning on the other. And that's actually capable of uh, high-speed charging for the iPhone 8, uh, the iPhone 8 Plus, and the iPhone 10. So... I mean, the reason they came up with this cable standard is because, you know, when you looked at micro USB and mini USB, um, they weren't reversible. Um, they weren't high speed, uh, at least not as high speed as uh, as these current uh, new lightning cables can be. Um, and they also did have a tab in there which could be broken off. So a bit of a challenge. Whereas if you take a look at the lightning cable, it's actually a pretty solid little double-sided connector. Very neat. Um, We've seen USB-C come along now, and a lot of people are saying, well, why doesn't Apple switch over to USB-C? USB-C has a lot of the same features, high speed, theoretically, uh, also reversible, so you can plug it in any which way. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's a, it's a nice little cable, but unfortunately for the USB consortium, Apple beat them to the punch with Lightning because they were kind of dragging their heels a little bit. Uh, so USB-C is kind of cool because it also can have a bunch of different great technology in there. You can have the high current charging, which charges your phones very, very fast. Uh, you can have high-speed access uh, in there. You can also have Intel's Thunderbolt 3 technology, which means that it can drive things like monitors um, and it can do high-speed data transfer. Okay, so that's an important thing. Uh, so this USB-C cable is coming with a lot of the smart, the new smartphones now. Yes. And the new laptops. Yes. And so you've just talked about a number of uses, and you have to buy the right one, though. Yes. Right? And this Isn't is, that confusing? This is the challenge, right? So it is confusing. Um, so when you were looking at cables online, you'll see a lot of places where you can buy a cheap lightning cable and you can buy a cheap USB-C cable. And the, the difficulty here is that these cables don't all have the same capabilities. With USB-C, it's particularly difficult because you can't actually tell by looking at the cable if it supports USB 3.1, which is the you know high speed, or if it carries high current, um, or if it will do uh, high, high data speeds. Right. So when you're looking at cables online, you know, one of our things here is look for a reputable provider and people will say, well, you know, I don't want to pay a ton of money for cables, but yeah. So they, they flock to the $5 cables, yeah, and, which end up not working. These are kind of like cheap sunglasses in my mind, yeah. right? Where, you know, you have a pair of sunglasses for a couple of weeks, you sit on them, you break them, they're done. Um, when you get these cheap cables, they don't typically have tension relief uh, in the in the ends of the cables. So you end up with frayed cables that break, that can damage your uh, your your product. Or start a fire. Or start a fire. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, with Apple cables, you know, when you do get the cheap cables, you might notice that the more expensive ones have MFI on theirs, which is, uh, you know, made for iPhone or made for... Uh, uh, iPad. So that's uh, the standard that Apple has come out with. That's right. Because if you're buying a $5 Apple Lightning cable, it's typically not certified. That's right. And it ends up not working after two weeks. And people get very upset about this because they're like, well, Apple's licensing this out and they're making money off this. What they're trying to do is they're actually trying to essentially gatekeep uh, access to better quality cables because they know at that point they've tested them, they work properly, they can make make certain assurances to customers that, yeah, you're going to get a good experience with this. If you've got a cable that you purchased, you can actually go online to Apple's uh, website, and there is a piece of software that will let you check to see whether or not your cable is MFI certified. Oh, love that. I didn't know that. It's really, really handy. So it's on the Apple website. Well, actually, we'll post a link on the uh, on the Facebook page. Uh, but this thing is uh, it's a great way of looking at your cables, because I've bought a number of these things um, you know, from Amazon and other places. The Amazon Basics ones tend to last a really long time. Uh, some of the other ones I think I bought a, it was a JetSync or something yes. like that. And, you know, it would work for three or four months and then the cable would just, boom, stop working completely. Yeah. Um, and when tested, you know, and I actually came back saying this was not MFI certified. I went back to the product page on Amazon and it says, yeah, it wasn't. Um, so I know Amazon's actually been looking to remove access to a lot of those uh, those cables there as far as Lightning goes. Um, but we, you get what you pay for there. You do, yes. If you're buying a $5 Apple Lightning cable, it's probably not certified. And I tell you, from experience, it's going to stop working yes. sooner than later. And here's the thing is we've actually seen a lot of challenges with this on the USB-C side. You know, it, it actually kind of reflects sort of the, you know, Apple walled garden ecosystem in their app store versus Google's Google Play store, where it kind of is this wild west. Um, we have the same sort of thing going on in USB-C where, you know, you've got great cable manufacturers, like, for example, Belkin. They make these beautiful braided cables that cost 29 bucks, but, you know, the USB-C cable that I have from them is actually really quite good, supports all of these standards. Um, the big one for me actually was the Nintendo Switch. 
right? Nintendo's new console, it's, it's been so hard to get. It's uh, sort of lighting markets up. Nintendo's had their first profitable uh, year in a very long time because of this thing. And, um, you know, people were up in arms because they would buy these USB-C cables, and it's supposed to be a standard, and they wouldn't charge their switch. And in the case of one particular cable, it was actually bricking some of these switches. Great. Making it so that you couldn't use the console anymore. And it turns out that these were cables that weren't actually up to standards. They weren't uh, delivering the, the speeds and the power efficiency that they were supposed to, and they were causing problems. So, so how do you know, Graham? So for a lot of users out there now that are buying new laptops and new tablets and new smartphones, that have USB-C, what what should you look for? So typically right now, looking for USB-C 3.1. 3.1. And look for certain keywords uh, in there, which would be either high current, uh, fast charging, or high speed. Those cables typically will have uh, the production quality and the circuitry in them. That actually means that they will do what it is that they're supposed to do. Yes. If you need one for high-speed data transfer for, for example, your MacBook Pro, you want to take a look and make sure that they have Thunderbolt 3 in there somewhere as well because that is... So it has to be certified Thunderbolt 3. That's correct. And that's an Intel technology that has been licensed by Apple. And And the cable is made for that. Yes, it is. You have to get the right cable. It looks the same as the cheap ones. Yep. But it's not. That's correct. Thunderbolt 3. And that's for like monitors and stuff hooking up to your laptop. Monitors and things like high-speed hard drives. So if you're doing, um, you know, for example, 4K, 6K, 8K video, um, then you're going to need that to do that kind of high-speed transfer. And they're a little bit more money, these ones. They are. Um, I mean, this kind of goes back to what we saw with Firewire back in the day. One of Apple's technologies where it was this, you know, high-speed, high-capacity transfer uh, protocol. And there actually was a chip in the cable um, that, uh, that, that made it work. And so these cables were very expensive. The devices were very expensive. You know, we're starting to see that again where we're having, in order to get the, the performance that we're looking for, you have to pay for the better quality product. So cheap and cheerful uh, is not always the best way. Um, and I mean, in addition to all of this, so these are just the cables. Um, we do also have the charging adapters out there, um, which typically, if you take a look in the cheap and cheerful ones, they don't even have a fuse in them. So if something does go wrong with this charger, that's actually where we start to see things where, you know, these things are catching fire and they're, you know, either, you know, igniting people's cars, igniting people's houses. That's a very dangerous place to be. So, you know, my word of warning to everybody out there is pay a little bit more money for the cables that you're purchasing, pay a little bit more money for the chargers that you're purchasing and make sure that you're getting a reputable brand. The brand means everything. Like if you're going with a Belkin or a Logitech, Mm -hmm. you know that you're typically getting a good quality. Yeah. I've actually found uh, Belkin, Logitech, Anchor. Yeah, quite good as well. Um, I've actually turned to them for a lot of my batteries recently and a lot of my cables. Um, like I said, I love my Belkin braided cables. I think they're fantastic. Um, but uh, there's a lot of really good brands out there. And there's some new brands that are coming out that are, you know, obviously entering the market at a slightly lower price point in order to gain market share. So take a look at reviews, but look for those uh, those keywords in there to see uh, if, if the cable is going to do what it is that you need it to do. Well, you know, that's a good shout out to, uh, you know, places like London Drugs, you know, going down there, those guys really know their stuff in the computer department. They can actually tell you exactly which is the best cable for your device as well so that you're not going to have uh, any issues. So uh, same old adage, you, you get what you pay for, essentially. Make sure that you look for USB-C 3.1, fast charging, fast data. Uh, if you're going to be using it uh, for your laptop uh, in a Thunderbolt capacity, like to a monitor or high-speed hard drive, you've got to make sure that it's Thunderbolt certified. Yes. There how, we easy, go. how easy is that? That's USB-C. Uh, just a quick thing. I noticed that uh, the EU, this was a story happening, may force Apple to drop its lightning connector in Europe. 
And they've tried to do this before. And I mean, the big thing with the EU is they're looking actually quite reasonably at this where they're seeing, you know, millions and millions and millions of cables that are disposed of because they are low quality. You know, one of the biggest complaints that I've had with Apple over the course of the last decade is the fact that they did remove the tension relief from their cables. Their cables are more beautiful now, but they don't last anywhere near as long, which is why sometimes I think uh, looking at a third party cable that does have better construction, like I said, those braided cables, and you can get them from a few different brands, uh, but they do tend to last a really really long time. You're listening to Get Connected. Mike Agarba here with Graham Williams. We still have more tech to talk. When we come back, we'll be sharing our app of the week with you. And don't forget to visit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. All sorts of great content there and uh, our weekly contests. Uh, some great tech prizes for you to win. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network, brought to you by London Drugs. We'll be back shortly after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Graham Williams. It's that time of the program where we uh, give our app of the week. What do we have, Graham? So, so this is my, my, my Andy, Rooney, Andy Rooney moment. Um, I'm going to complain a little bit. Tickets. You got to buy tickets for things, right? I hate it. I hate tickets. You know why? Because I always feel like I'm getting ripped off. I can never get the tickets I want. Uh, and then I just feel like they're charging too much of a service fee. Like these ticket companies are making a fortune now. It gets even worse though, right? Because you go to buy tickets, you've gone through all that whole process, you click buy and they're all gone. Why? Scalpers got them. Yes. Right? And, and my, I, I hate scalpers. That's, that's my Andy Rooney. Um, scalping is probably one of the biggest problems out there. The Ontario government was making steps towards it, and now they've kind of pulled back. Shame on that. Uh, but there's an app to save the day, and our app is called Dice. 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 And this is a really cool app because it actually is uh, an app that artists can go through to book gigs specifically, and their ticket marketplace is built in such a way that it is scalper-proof. Uh, you have to have the app, and you have to have photo ID with you when you get to a location. You cannot resell tickets. If you buy these tickets and you, you can't go, you return them to the waiting line. And those tickets, as soon as they're sold again, the money will be refunded to you. And if they're not sold again? If they're not sold again, you're on the hook. <laughs> okay, well, okay, I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. I'm kind of okay with that. So, very cool little way of, uh, of looking at things here, right, is basically you can go in and get access to some very exclusive experiences that are only available through DICE, and uh, you, can, uh, you can buy tickets without having to go through that whole process, and... Uh, their their fees are actually all built in, so you don't see anything. But the world is owned by Live Nation, so what what artist is going to go through this? Well, this is the question. I think the more people that use Dice, the less that Live Nation can tell us what to do. So, you think? Yeah, you, know, you know what I'd say, to Live Nation. Hey guys, solve the solve the scalper they're, problem. They're going to buy Dice. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing so well. They're going to call it Snake Eyes <laughs> and just mess it all up. Yeah. So Dice, I'm going to check it out. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no tickets to buy because. What artists are in there yet? But I'm actually going to be throwing a, a festival on Dice just because the Gram Festival. Nobody else is there, so don't forget to check out our sister show, the App Show, every Sunday here on the Chorus Radio Network. It broadcasts from CKNW 980 here in Vancouver between 10 and 11 in the morning. That's Pacific time. We talk about all the latest and greatest apps, a whole hour worth of it, and you would love it. So I encourage you to tune in. Again, the app show, Sundays between 10 and 11 here in the morning. That's all the time we have left. Mike and Graham logging off. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.